In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. It was just yesterday morning when a parishioner asked me what the Advent has to say to a person who say they are so burdened by a sense of real guilt that they could that they just cannot believe that God would have much anything to do with them. Well, the timing of that question was interesting to me, especially in light of the fact that uh, of the way that I was planning to begin my sermon, which is by asking you a personal a question that you may answer, if you will, in the privacy of your own heart. Uh, has your sense of guilt, shame, ever brought you to your knees in abject sorrow? Have you ever fought through what has been termed a tortured conscience? That term tortured conscience comes from a famous a document called the Augsburg Confession, which was written in 1530 by Phyllis Melanchthon, who is a German Protestant a reformer. And this confession, Augsburg Confession, had a huge influence on the Church of England and our own 39 articles and has one key little sentence uh, in English, of course. The whole of the understanding of justification by faith in Jesus Christ, which is the key doctrine of Christianity, being made acceptable uh, to God by faith in Christ, the whole of this teaching, the confession says, hangs together with the fight which a tortured conscience has to endure and without such a fight cannot be understood. Which is to say, unless a man or a woman has wrestled with, endured a tortured conscience, they simply cannot understand the Christian gospel. And there's no use even trying to explain it to them. Quite a powerful statement there in this confession. But that comes by way of introducing uh, this passage this morning from Nehemiah. The Jews uh, here had been delivered by God and returned to their homeland, a torn down, destroyed Jerusalem. They had returned to the to Jerusalem from Babylonian exile. And this narrative that begins the eighth chapter that we have here in Nehemiah may have been a reflection on the dedication of the rebuilding of those walls. It was daybreak. Ezra, the priest, stood on a wooden pulpit before all the people who could understand and preached from the law of Moses until midday. So we're talking about a long sermon here. The more the people listen to this full exposition of God's law, the more it says that their heads were bowed down and their faces were to the ground. And we're told that all the people wept. And Nehemiah then stood up and said, now do not be grieved. Go your way. Eat the fat, drink sweet wine, for the joy of the Lord would be your strength. Get that. Now these people, in a torn down Jerusalem, and they themselves in moral disarray, hearing a full exposition of God's law, were cut to the heart. And then and only then were they told to rejoice in God's mercy. I think of the word that is written in Isaiah that says, This is the man to whom I will uphold, says the Lord. He that is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. 
I think I'm safe to say that for the most part, anyway, Episcopalians are not particularly known to tremble before God's word. Bo Gears, he's the author of the, uh, ham, of the novel Hammer of God that I talk about a lot about. He asked, who's worried about a tortured conscience anymore? We no longer live in a guilt culture. God's love has been preached so much and in such a way that for many people it has become banal and uninteresting. How sad that people... Uh, have the idea that they what they need from their church is, is affirmation, not hearing the proclamation of God's forgiveness. But for those who have been blessed to have a tortured and wounded conscience, how precious does the Savior's cross appear, how glorious the scars of the one who paid their price. So what does the Advent say to a person who's heavy loaded with a sense of guilt and God's judgment? Well... We should say to him, you're in mighty good friends, my friend. Our first parents became painfully aware of their sin before they were clothed. The children of Israel wept before the preaching of the law. The thousands of people to whom Peter preached on that first day of the Pentecost were told they were cut to their hearts. The apostle Paul, he was terrified with this sense of, of guilt. The Philippian jailer, he was, he was in terror before we we're told he was saved. And all through the history of the church, Augustine, he certainly experienced a tortured conscience. Martin Luther, Martin Luther was tormented by sin and filled with horror at the thought of hell. John Bunyan, George Whitfield, George Wesley, Charles Spurgeon, Jonathan Edwards, who rightly said, It is God's manner to make, men's, to make men sensible of their misery and unworthiness before God appears to them in his mercy. Dr. Gerald Bray talks about the lady in England uh, who came up to him after uh, one of his sermons in the receiving line uh, after he had been preaching about the love of God. He says, Dr. Bray, I just wanted to let you know that uh, I, I want to experience the joy of the Lord, but if you only knew there are some things that I have done in my life that I can't even forgive myself about. And what did Gerald Bray say? He didn't say, now, now, don't, don't, don't go there. He didn't say that. He said, of course, you can't forgive yourself. That's why Jesus came in the first place. As Jesus began his ministry, according to Luke's gospel, he went into, the, into Nazareth and into the synagogue as, on the Sabbath day, as was his custom, and he was invited to preach and read. So he stood up and he chose a passage from Isaiah 61 where the prophet Isaiah was foretelling of the nature of the work that the Messiah would do when the Messiah came. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good tidings to the, to the who? To the afflicted. He has sent me to bring, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty of the captives and the opening of the prison. To those who are bound. And I pray that we can see the full significance of Jesus' proclamation. Because we know that from here and from elsewhere, that all these categories here, the afflicted, the brokenhearted, the captives, they have a deep spiritual meaning. And it all adds up to the fact that God is not impressed with your strength, your rectitude, your wonderful credentials. 
But rather it is our tortured consciences, our guilt, our sense of bondage, our pain that actually unlocks the Savior's heart. And the things that you are ashamed about, in fact, the things that you should be ashamed about, are the very targets of the Savior's love. And this is the bottom line. Christianity is going to mean something to you and to me to the extent that we are in touch with our need. And the greatest need of all is forgiveness. And the classic illustration illustration from literature is Daniel Defoe's character, Robin Crusoe. I've used him before. I can't think of a better one. Robin Crusoe was shipwrecked in 1659. He came on a shore of the island called the Island of Despair. And he became fixated on Psalm 5015. Call upon the Lord in the time of trouble and God will deliver thee. And, of course, all he could think about in his years of captivity was reading that psalm through the lens of being liberated from the island. And then one day, as he continued to read the Bible, it hit on him one day about the deep wickedness of his thoughts. And what just horror, with such horror, he, he developed this tortured conscience to the point that he could ultimately think about nothing else but the fact that he wanted God to deliver him from his sin. And the hope of being delivered from his island bondage was nothing compared with what Jesus had accomplished for him on the cross such that, here's how he ended his diary. Now I have learned to understand the words, call upon the Lord in the time of trouble and he will deliver thee in another sense. I look back upon my past life with such horror and my sins appeared so dreadful that my soul sought nothing of God but deliverance from the load of guilt that bore down on all my comfort. As for my life here on the island in prison, it was nothing. It was of no consideration in comparison with this. And add, I add this part here to whomever shall be reading this journal, that whenever they come to a true understanding of things, they will find deliverance from sin a much greater blessing than deliverance from any other affliction. Daniel Defoe got it right. Are you suffering from a tortured conscience? Well, then good. Because Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. Have you, like the ancient Jews before Ezra and and Nehemiah wept? As you heard God's law preached, then good. Because as Spurgeon said, the glad news of the gospel can only be printed on wet paper. Don't let Mr. Worldly Wise Man tell you you just got to forgive yourself. You can't forgive yourself. That's why Jesus came. That's why he died. He can and he does forgive you. And the scars on his hands and feet prove it. A tortured conscience? Well, good for you. Because Nehemiah has this to say to you. Go your way. Eat the fat and drink the sweet wine. For the joy of the Lord will be your strength. May God draw lots of hearts and now give doubting souls courage to believe this. For Jesus' sake. Amen.